Hello, Mindy. My name is Beatty. I'm from The Good Place, and welcome to your first day in the afterlife. What's up, idiot? Sorry I'm late, babe. Hey, are you pregnant? <sighs> That's not possible. Congrats. Yeah, so, Mindy, look, you mostly sucked, but then you did this one good thing. I mean, I still think we should get you. They didn't, but neither did we. A compromise was made. The neighborhood you were in now, by yourself. You submitted a list of things you wanted, the good place provided those things. Yeah, and the bad place made some modifications. We got you your favorite beer. Yeah, but it's always warm. On your jukebox, you'll find every song ever sung. Yeah, by the Eagles, and it's only the live versions. Also, there's some spoken word poetry from William Shatner. It's deeply terrible. You get the idea. Welcome to eternal mediocrity. Welcome to the media place. If you were subjected to the medium place, Stephen, and you had uh -huh. your own house by yourself all the time, what movie for you would be like the most medium, not bad, but not good, just medium movie that you'd be subjected to watch for all eternity? I feel like for me, I would have to think of like a medium anime, like one that I gave a solid like five out of 10. That's a good thought. Um, so for me, it would probably either be domestic girlfriend on loop which i think i've talked about on here before mm -hmm. no that might be too positive for me though because it is a night it's a dumpster fire of a show but i kind of enjoy the dumpster fire so what's one that was boring to me i know it's a little Sing tough yesterday it? for me i, I guess yeah. would be what i have to watch over and over again which mm -hmm. like was fine but slightly worse than fine. So yeah, it'd be Sing Yesterday for me on loop. If you're one of the 12 people that have watched that anime, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go off of yours and not do a movie. I'm going to do music. I think for me, because well, I guess they have the jukebox in the medium place. Yeah. Mine would be the entire discography of California funk rock band, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> because it's close. I liked them enough when I was a little bit younger. Yeah. And it's close enough to them having some melodies that I kind of like. But mm -hmm. I've gone so far the other direction that it would not be pleasant to hear those songs. Well, especially forever. if it were on a discography loop, like you couldn't. Yeah pick the song it were just non-stop circling that's like i know be. i've got to get through the 2010s before i can get the <laughs> one song i liked in the early 90s you're like oh fuck it's go robot that is not the first time on this podcast no, that i've mentioned, mentioned go obscure robot. late era red hot chili peppers mm -hmm. song go robot yeah. i looked it up and and paid for it and downloaded it to use yeah. in the podcast wink and nod <laughs> I pay for shit i didn't but like that's that. not the first time you've brought up that song yeah it's the first one that comes to my head from that album of all the things of like to the girl with the bear behind her multiple times in the 11.1 podcasts we've done here <laughs> go robot is what it is hi everybody welcome to into the time knife a good place rewatch i'm really excited to be here i'm really excited that you're here with us we're gonna have a lot of fun today as we talk about the penultimate episode of the good place season one mindy st Clair. it's gonna be a lot of fun are you excited buddy i am excited you gonna say your name i have a thing but you gotta say yours first hi everyone i'm zach there you go what do Thanks. you got Steven? Uh, and i'm Let's Steven, hear it. And, and zach i have a question for you okay uh the meaner you are to me, and maybe maybe we've 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 been putting on airs in this show, and we have been pretty nice to each other. Is that um, true? Do you think we've been nicer? I think I it's think starting so. to fade. <laughs> I oh, think it's boy. definitely starting to fade. <laughs> well, uh, because people might be listening to this podcast for the first time and yeah. truly not know that we're so 
like that with each other mm-hmm. because we're so comfortable speaking with each other. Yeah. And it is all love tinged with we've done this weekly for three years. So <laughs> there is some resentment and some negativity towards each bit. other. But it's all love and we can pretty rail into one another. Just oh, we rail sure into rail. one another. Yeah. But and it's important that people know it's love before we really let it rip. Yeah. <laughs> you always got to let them know it's love before you let it rip. But I was saying that the meaner you are to me, I think it yes. like kind of gets me going a little bit. It turns me on in ways oh. that I can't quite explain. <laughs> yeah. Does and it? I just wanted to know, is that like a mutual thing? Is that weird? Is that just me? Or does it does it get you amped as well? Well, I feel like that's not the case because just last week I made a slight suggestion on something you could adjust to to help your audio and you lost it. You were in tears. You were throwing things. Our Webby Award just got thrown through the studio. I I super glued it back together, but it'll never be the same. That's nice. Uh, Do I... What what was the question? I I wasn't listening. (laughs) Uh, When you're mean to me, it arouses me. Yeah. Does it, is it, was it good for you too? Or I'm going to say yes, because I feel like something that I think just developed by being in show choir in high school, we got really uh-huh. good at being really mean about people. Yeah. And now we're good adults in society. Mm-hmm. So we can't just do that anymore. Yeah. But we can do it to each other. We so can. Like, this is I, our safe space. I channel all of my talent in, in shitting on someone. <laughs> Into this one small person on the other side of my Zoom screen. And it is nice. I, I'm stiff. I'm stiff as a as, – what's something that's really stiff? A board is the usual. Yeah, but that. we when they go high, we go low. What's stiff? Stiffer as, than a scared possum. Stiffer than a rattlesnake's shedded skin. Stiffer than an armadillo nose. Stiffer than the tail of a man between his legs. I don't know what to tell you, Zach. I'm stiffer than the person who officiated the wedding in that one Disney movie where it looks like the priest has a boner. Is that the Little Mermaid? Nice. I hope so. Is it the Little Mermaid? It would be. Everybody's in bikinis running around. But no, it's like a guy in a in a like bishop outfit and in his like cloak it looks like one of the like wrinkles in the cloak is a erect penis nice i didn't watch little mermaid a ton growing up so i missed out on some of the cock action from that one anyway now that we've gotten that light uh pre-show banter out of the way (laughs) we've got to start out the program as we do every week by shouting out our ten dollar and up patrons over at patreon.com slash can't disappoint podcast who are they zach let us know call those people of course say their names danny m lugo mary baker budisa brian thurman and autumn marsh four people that we will not allow to be silenced and we would love to add you to that list because starting at five dollars and up you can support this show help us get new upgrades like steven's mic that we've been working with the last couple weeks um, by supporting us on patreon and i think crisp even though we're a small content creator, I think we are putting the amount of of love and attention into our Patreon that people with thousands of Patreon supporters have. So I really think what we do over there every week and what we're about to begin doing with our That 70s Show recap podcast beginning on 420 is worth the $5 if you enjoy our show. Yeah, and we're we are looking a small content creator. So one or more sharks more. to invest in our podcast. We're asking for $5 million for <laughs> 2% of this gold mine. So my question, who wants to be the the first shark to not be disappointed? 
Next time you're thinking about placing that order for Mr. Beast Burger, think <laughs> what just $5 of that could do. You can use those $5 to support a content creator with far less incel vibes. Yeah, and we're diverse. Enough. Diverse enough. Diverse enough. Yeah. <laughs> it is we are still two, two, two guys six feet apart. And I don't know if you all noticed, but four ladies make up our elite tier of the Patreon at this time. Yeah. So, ladies, if you're listening, Zach and Steven know how to treat the honeys. It's true. We're very respectful and kind. Two of our patrons have even hit soulmate tier, so it's Let's get into our lives a little bit before we get into The Good Place briefly. I'll start because we talked about it on our pre-show on Patreon, but just last night I had a really incredible experience seeing the iconic uh, nerdy band They Might Be Giants in in tour. And in tour? In concert. In tour. And my partner Lil and I made a whole day out of it. We got in line like five hours before doors and we were near the front of the line all day. We got you a spot. got there five hours before Jim Morrison and his band, The Before doors? The Doors, yeah. And we weren't even there to see them. <laughs> um, we said, fuck The Doors. We're here for the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we went to see They Might Be Giants and we waited for them all day. And it was really cool because waiting outside in the line before the concert, we saw, if you know They Might Be Giants, it's the Johns are the, the front men of the band. And mm-hmm. we saw both of the Johns walking around. And I really had a cute moment with John Linnell, who is the guy with the voice. If you're familiar with the band at all, he's the guy with the really distinct voice. Uh, he was trying to walk a path without see- people seeing him. Uh, Lil and I were about the only people that saw him. And I was standing up. I kind of like deer in headlights for a second. And I waved. And he kind of gave a little smile like a haha loser. And he waved <laughs> back. And it was really nice. And then we got a barricade spot at the concert. It was a really fun show. They had a horn section, which their music highlights horns a lot. So it was really great to hear that live. It sounded just like the album. And that's not an easy thing to recreate on stage. And I told Steven about this, but their trumpet player was so impressively did this thing called circular breathing to sustain one note on the trumpet for, I said, it, it had to be more than two minutes. It felt like four minutes. And, and Steven, can you explain maybe what that is to the people? So why circular cool? breathing is really hard to do because essentially you have to, when you play the trumpet, that's an instrument, you know, that you have to constantly be sending air through for it to make noise. It's not like a bagpipe where you like store up air and then squeeze that out. You've so got you can, a like, few breathe. seconds to, yeah. Yeah. In a trumpet, if you stop blowing air, it stops making noise. So to circular breathe, it takes a lot of training to do this, but it's, it's really cool. Especially to do it for that long takes a lot of practice. But you have to essentially the, the way most people do it is they fill their cheeks with air and then they blow out that air from their cheeks and that's still in their lungs as they're breathing in through their nose. And so it's really funny to watch people do it. Well, but he did exactly that, really that. Good puff out it. his cheeks yeah. rhythmically. Like it's it's very cool, and and if you can do that and maintain your tone, that's really impressive. The tone so it's, was it's really cool, so clean, and it was mic'd so well, and he was right there, and he did it for so long, and everybody was losing their shit. It was such it was, which is impressive because I've been to the the venue that that concert was at, and it's hard to get horn acoustics right in a venue like that because it's very inboxed in. So well, they've been playing with these horns people since like the 90s you know they've got this shit down uh it was really cool and i even got the kind of vibe i was watching like the security watch them it was cool that a band with horns like that was playing in a small venue like that Mm -hmm. it was really neat but anyway so that was really cool the performance was great and after the show 
uh, the drummer came and was handing out set lists for people. There were like 12 set lists on the stage because there mm. were horns players and stuff. And I always like to wait after a show, especially if I'm up front and see if I can get handed anything. And I haven't before. And the drummer came up to us and was like scanning the crowd. And he locked eyes with Lil and I and ended up giving the set list to the person next to us. And of course, you're like, damn, I wish I got one. But it's you're not losing anything, you know, so you're just kind of like, mm. OK, maybe next time. And then he walked away, grabbed another set list, and came back to find specifically us to be like, I almost gave you one, and I saw that happen too. Here is specifically for you two. That was a really nice moment because that made it even more special. So it was just like one of the most uplifting, wholesome concert experiences I've had in a while. Everything went right in the way that when you camp out for something like that, it often doesn't go the way you want it to go. And it, yeah. it just went perfect. That's awesome. I'm happy, buddy. They Might Be Giants are awesome. Uh, dive a little deeper if all you know is like their silliest stuff. They're a good band. Steven, I know you wanted to mention a few things as well. So I let's did. do it. I did not see any live concerts, but I did go to the movies last week. Uh, Danny and I went and saw Creed 3, which I'm a huge fan of the Rocky movie series, especially the first four of them are really, really awesome. Um, fantastic music. Great, like for the time uh training month like it, it's they definitely are a little bit dated but they're still a lot of fun obviously sure and i've really been a fan of the first two creed movies because you know michael b jordan i like him a lot uh you know felicia rashad plays his mom oh Great. wow i didn't know that i love felicia yeah. rashad and then um why did i just forget her name who's the actress that is uh used to date janelle monet she was in oh, thor in the movie she plays the valkyrie Tessa Thompson. Oh, okay. Tessa Thompson is really name. good in those. She cool. plays a character who's like a singer, but she's like hearing impaired. And this third movie takes place a little while, like after it's supposed to get like the end of Creed's career. Um, and they like have a daughter who's hearing impaired. And like, so there's a lot of signing in the movie, which is really cool. cool. Um, but the action sequences are really great. The, in different movies, they've done like the whole final fight in like what seemed like one shot, which is really cool for a boxing movie. And Michael B. Jordan directed this one. He did direct this one, which was, he made some really awesome choices and the last fight was cool, but they also had some really, really, really great anime references in the movie, like visually, like things that almost made me emotional because it was like I as a kid watched this same exact movement in an anime and now I'm watching it happen in like a boxing match in on in a theater which was really really cool there's some really creative stuff without spoiling anything because I think that the the last fight is you're better off if you don't know some of the really cool thematic things that happen like visually but it it was really really well done I mean the Creed movies are not going to be for everyone but if you like the Rocky like I there's a moment where Go the Distance plays, but it's like a, a new arrangement of it. And that was really, really, really cool. Like I started crying instantly when I heard it because that's like such an ear trigger for me, especially as a trumpet player. Those movies are like sure. pretty iconic. So really, really, really good. Um, that was a fun watch. Let me ask you, I haven't seen a single Rocky movie, mm -hmm. but the Creed movies do pique my interest and yeah. they always kind of have. But I have not watched them because I haven't seen any of the Rocky movies. Mm -hmm. So I, a couple questions. Do I need to see the Rocky movies to enjoy Creed? They will be a lot more enjoyable if you see Rocky 1, 2, and 4. My next question was going to be, do I need to watch all of the Rocky movies? Could I get away with just watching 1 and 2? 
Four is very important because that sets up the entire plot of the second Creed movie. Because if I'm in that deep, I watch three, four, five. You know what I mean? If I have to watch that, that makes one me through less four likely. are the ones, and then five, six, and Rocky Balboa are all very separate from that first story. Because it's just old. Those all have the same plot of I'm old, but I'm still gonna fight. Oh, Adrian! Like that's those are the la- those are five, six, and seven. There's like some boring shit with his son. One, two, three, four are all really good because that's when Sylvester Stallone was a little bit younger and could sure. still fight and do cool stuff. Well, it's interesting because Sylvester Stallone didn't direct the first Rocky, but he directed quite a few of the Rocky sequels. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that now the Creed movies are continuing this skyrocketing this young star with incredible potential into being one of the biggest names of right now and also beginning their career as a young director on the franchise that helped raise them into that it's a really cool way of history repeating itself and i think that's really neat the other thing i want to bring up as a talking point with creed 3 and then i suppose we can move on to the good place Mm -hmm. is to talk about the jonathan majors in the room yeah so jonathan majors for those who don't know is like kind of exploding right now because he's in the Creed movie, he was in the Ant-Man movie, he's had some other stuff recently. Like, Well, he's, he's Kang, so he's going to be yeah. a big part of the next couple years of Marvel mm-hmm. movies, the next Avengers, well, or is maybe something well, going to happen and he, he isn't. he was arrested on assault allegations, mm-hmm. and he has stood by his innocence. I think a report came out either yesterday or today that apparently the person that, like, reported it has now recanted her statement so i'm not sure what's happening there it's really kind of up in the air at least according to the news outlets that i follow on social media but these things are so hard mm-hmm. because you want to believe every victim yes and i think even when it becomes something that's a legal dispute and like over someone's name and their mm-hmm. brand i feel like just something like this being brought out into the open is at least indicative that their behavior is not bright and shiny, regardless of if they've done the specific things that they're being arrested for. It it definitely shows that, like, who is this person behind closed doors? Mm-hmm. And it, this guy is blowing up right now because he's in a Which bunch also of raises the, the thing where when you see somebody who's, like, a very fast rising star... People are going to go after that person, warranted or not. It's an interesting situation. I don't think we know exactly what's happened yet. Not not as of right now in in our real world time. And we're just after... Right. Maybe when this comes out, we'll know more and Mm -hmm. this will be irrelevant. But I think it's an interesting thing to think about and talk about. uh, Because the Rick and Morty creator Mm -hmm. justin roiland the newest development was that was that the charges were dropped against him i think since those charges have been brought up a lot of people have come out of the woodworks and said i worked with this guy and he was shitty to work with yeah and it has reinforced that okay maybe he's not a criminal of that stature but maybe it's for the best that he was fired from his jobs um and it's it's just really interesting to see what happens and does it even matter if they di- I don't know it, like yeah. in a, a job perspective I don't know I don't have an answer I just think it's interesting. Mhm. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's talk about the good place. 
Let's do it. We're here to talk about the penultimate episode of season one, Mindy St. Clair. This is a big one. It's the first half of the last two episodes, which aired as one thing when they originally came out. This episode, Mindy St. Clair, was directed by Dean Holland. He's a name we've heard before. He previously directed Someone Like Me as a member. And in the future of The Good Place, he directs The Trolley Problem, Janet and Michael, the burrito, everything is Bonzer parts one and two, and don't let the good life pass you by. So one of the bigger All the incredible names. episodes. Mm-hmm. Trolley problem is one of my maybe in my top five. Trolley problems great. Janet and Michael is a good one, mm-hmm. uh, and the rest are very important. The burrito, another mm-hmm. great one too. This episode was co-written by Megan Amram and Jen Statsky, also Other both names, names that we've heard, heard before. Mm-hmm. Megan Amram previously wrote the Eternal Shriek, and in the future, Megan is Ram Zach. Grammar. Magan R. Magan. <laughs> Magan R. Ram. Please Zach, come did on you the just show, have a Freudian slip? Are you you getting Trumpy on us now? You are wearing red today. Oh, Magan. Magan. That's funny. <laughs> no, I am a little sunburned from the show and wearing red, so I think it is just seeping into me. Just red through and through. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Megan Amram wrote this episode. She previously wrote The Eternal Shriek, and after this, she goes on to write Dance Dance Resolution, The Burrito. She co-writes with Joe Mandy. She wrote the episode Jeremy Baramy. She goes on to co-write Pandemonium with the co-writer of this episode, Jen Statsky, and she also, Megan Amram, wrote the episode Patty. And her co-writer, Jen Statsky, previously wrote the episode Someone Like Me is a Member and goes on to write Part 1 of Everything is Great, Rhonda, Diana, Jake, and Trent. She co-wrote with Dan Schofield. She co-wrote Everything is Bonzer Part 1 with the creator of the show, Mike Schur, and then on her own wrote Everything is Bonzer Part 2. She co-wrote Pandemonium with Megan Amram, as I mentioned, and her last credit was Mondays, Am I Right?, which is one of the last episodes of the show. So a good team. They, yeah. they got a lot of the greats together for this episode it shows. until next week where I think Mike Schur might have written, directed, or been a little more – because it's a really important episode. Mm-hmm. So it was like the creators were on it. But for this episode, they put out their A-team from the staff rooms to put together a really important and I think successful episode of the show. Yeah, this is a great, great episode. I really thoroughly enjoyed watching this one. This episode originally aired along with the season finale on January 19th, 2017. 2017? Yeah. The first part of the season has been 2016, and this came out in January. So we're at the beginning of 2017. Wow. Mm -hmm. True. The first thing that we do here on the program is one of my favorite segments every week, and it's the opportunity for you, the listening audience, to maybe be refreshed on what happened on this week's episode that we're discussing of The Good Place. If you didn't have the time to watch it before listening to us like we do, you're going to have this task set out for you that you'll have 20 seconds to explain everything that's happened in Mindy St. Clair. It's a big episode. You don't want to leave anything out, but it is kind of like an A-B plot episode. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're going to see how you can do, everyone. It's time. Gather together for Did Steven Watch the Episode This Week? The vocal comedy will be performed in the style of an 80s cocaine-fueled lawyer. Steven wanted you all to know this in case it did not come across clearly. Did Steven watch the episode this week? That was very... Welcome to Silly Songs with Larry, the part of the show where Larry sings a silly song. For all you VeggieTales aficionados out there. Yeah, I love VeggieTales. Oh, that would have been a great Patreon podcast option. Maybe in the future. We'll, we'll go through all VeggieTales media, including the 
playing with the Larry Boy Larry Mobile and seeing if it still holds up is a really fun toy that you could buy at your local Christian bookstore. Steven, that's not here nor there. We'll get to that when we get to Veggie Talk, our Veggie Tales podcast. Veggie Talk. You've got 20 seconds on the clock. How are you feeling? Are you ready? There's a lot in this episode, but I think I I, I feel in my heart a lot about the episode, and so hopefully I can convey that in sure. a succinct and palatable way for you, sure. Zach. Sure. Okay, I'm going to hit start. Are you ready? I think so. Three, two, one, go. Choo-choo! Eleanor, Janet, and Jason are on the way to the medium place, where there they find Manny Sinclair, who's been living alone, a medium life for years and years. Meanwhile, Michael, Chidi, Tahani, and good Eleanor are going to try and convince Sean the judge that Eleanor deserves to stay in the good place. They present facts. He presents facts of her past that show she's not that great. Meanwhile, Eleanor... Yeah... You just got the setup. You didn't get anything about like no meat, um, no potatoes. Um, about Eleanor, you didn't get anything about the like having four hours to come back, or mm-hmm. else Chidi and Tahani go to the, the bad place. But that's like the middle of the episode. <laughs> then the end is when she comes back. But like the whole second half is the time is ticking. Will Eleanor uh, make Jason make the right choice for them to all go back? Uh, I don't know. I don't think that was. Even though you did a good job at delivering, I think you you spoke sure, I, it very I, well. I don't. I think you spent too much time on things that you didn't. But again, I don't know what you would have lost. So it's not your fault, really, that you didn't have enough time to get it all. But you did not get it all in the yeah. time allotted. It's you saying got, all those names is really take up a lot of time. You got half or less. And you did a couple of things and then kind of like second guessed your choice. Like even like you went choo choo. Uh, Eleanor, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Well, because I said choo-choo to buy myself time, but that's not how then it works. couldn't the time remember people's to names. Tick regardless <laughs> of how many choos I thought choose. all train noises pause time for everyone. That, that's the, in the, the fortune teller everyone, told me that I had that power now. into the time knife rule book that we've sent out to all our listeners. Steven is allowed to choo-choo to pause time. Uh, I think that's like a... Whew. I'll take it. Come on. Give it to me. Give it to me. I think that's a C-. minus. I'll take it. That's okay. Just based on how Percentage, much of the episode's yeah. action you t- you typically get. I get it. You said plenty well, but you didn't get enough. Those C- I get it. I understand. You said you'll take it. I'm trying to give it to you. Just take I'm, it. Okay? I'm take, let take me take it. it how I want to take it. <laughs> Let's get into some trivia. I've got some questions for you. How about I go first this time? Go for it. How much does Eleanor spend at the store in the opening flashback? Ooh, it was a pretty decent little price tag for a household of one. Was it like $132.86? Really close. Close enough to get a fraction of a point. It was $132, but 21 cents. Oh, shit. Wow. But that's a really good answer. Good job. Thank you. And, you know, that is a pretty hefty stack up. Uh, but think of all the stuff that she's grabbing. She's yeah, like going down shelves and just scooping everything. And I feel like $130 is more than fair. Mm-hmm. So the Arizona prices, you know. Well, and whenever this took place, this would have yeah. been 2015 or something when mm-hmm. she died. I don't really know. Fair. What is the description of the shrimp that Eleanor buys? Oh, man. They're – I don't know the exact phrasing, but they're 99 cents, and it's because they're, like, delicately expired or something like You're that. You're really close. I don't it says remember says buzzer beater, lightly expired. Lightly expired. <laughs> <laughs> Which on shrimp is not a gamble I would take. No, but... I wouldn't either. I would not. What, according mm. to Jason, is sexy? 
Okay, that was my next question, so I'm not going to look. Lamborghinis. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and go in order so I don't like skip any, but I immediately can't remember the second thing that okay. Janet said. Get what you can. 20,000 followers on Instagram is sexy. Uh-huh. Girls in pigtails with lollipops is Not sexy. sure about that one, but yeah, that's 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 on the list. <laughs> um leather pants are sex leather leggings? Is that leather leather jeans some kind of leather pant shit what else was sexy uh sex (laughs) sex was sexy sex is pretty sexy those are the only ones i can remember off the top of my head okay you got one of them wrong was latex pants latex what Ah. are you missing you said lamborghini i'm missing carl jr's ads cool snakes spinning rims oh you're reading off your list i was about to give it to you but you're already cheating Mm -hmm. yeah you got a lot of them you got like at least a solid half point yeah, I think I did get half, which I, I'm okay with. Because my question for you is to name as many of them as you could. Sure. But I'm going to ask you my next question, Zach. What number works. is the train that they take to the medium place? No idea. Zero, zero, zero. Is is how, how bright I got it or is the number of the train? The, that's, that's the train number. <laughs> okay. What has the good place provided for Mindy and how has the bad place tweaked it? Okay, so they gave her beer, but it's warm. They gave her a jukebox with every song ever made by the Eagles, and they're all the live versions. She ha- I, Are you including the Cannibal Run in this? No, I just... Well, no. I mean, that would count towards the answer. Yeah, but, but, but that wasn't said. in that scene. They mentioned one other thing, but I'm almost curious if it wasn't in your episode. You Your phrasing was a little off because it's, it's not just... It's her favorite beer, but it's always warm. Her Not just beer, add beer in, it's always warm. Mm-hmm. A jukebox full of every song by the Eagles, and they're the live cuts only. And then uh, Trevor goes on to say, and some William Shatner spoken poetry. Ah, it's that is in the jukebox truly too. horrible. That was on yeah. yours. Okay, yeah, that's that my question. Pretty good nice. job. Two thirds of a point. Marguerite, Marguerite, I'm gonna <laughs> need you to put three quarters of a point down for Steven on that one. Make sure I get all three of those quarters, Marguerite. I think you're looking at. 1.25 points is doing okay so, so far. far. Okay. Um, <laughs> how old does Eleanor turn in her workplace flashback? 29. That Correct. was one of my questions. Mm. How did Mindy die? She fell after taking all her money out of the bank. She immediately fell on the subway tracks and died by getting electrocuted by the third rail. Good job. Mm-hmm. Big fear living in a big city. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> how long was Sean sleeping in goo? 29 years. Absolutely right. I want to ask a question about that a little bit uh-huh. later because I don't think 29 years is, uh, is a number for no reason. I don't think so either, but I have a, a guess as to why that number is what it is, actually. Me too. We'll talk about that later. I've got two more questions. My first one, on Eleanor's life events screen, mm-hmm. what negative action did she do the most times? Okay, I wonder if this is my question. Can I Can I ask a qualifying question yes but that will take away a quarter point marguerite was the amount of time she did it less than 10 no okay then it's not this um jaywalking no what was it altercations with various youths selling various items for various fundraisers how many times was it like 22 that's great which brings me to my last question i probably don't know it how many EpiPens did Eleanor scout? Oh, four? Four. Nice. I did remember that when you said it. Nice. 
Because I was thinking of all the things you'd ask me, I'm not going to remember it because I didn't read everything. Yeah. I've got one more question, but it's kind of just a for funsies. Okay. You're not meant to get I like this fun. one right. If you get this one right, I will have Marguerite add 15 and a half points. To wow. Yeah, it's a big Wow, one. that's big. Because I don't think you're going to get it right, and it, you're not meant to. That's like two or three weeks of perfect answers. That's okay. big. In the medium place, the only viewing entertainment is Cannonball Run 2 and its behind-the-scenes footage. What does this medium movie have as a score on Letterboxd? What do you think the Letterboxd user score for Cannonball and Letterboxd Run 2? Letterboxd is, is out of stars, right? Out of five stars? Out of five with, like, point up to ten. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not two digits after the point, but two, like, point one, point place. two, point three, yeah. point four, up to point nine. Yeah. Um. Does it have a five? Oh no 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 no. A a two point five. Is that your answer? Yeah. You're very close. What is it? Two point four. That's like as close to that's to like medium the perfect medium possible. place score because well it's two point five might be too close to good. It's like yeah. just below that. That's great. And two point four. That's what it is. It's a funsies. I was close. I don't get my fifteen points. You don't get your close. fifteen point two five points but there's always next week <laughs> always next week well that's trivia what we got next talk about the episode or do you have Let's more questions no that was that was my last one was the uh whatever i asked you last well, that was fun yeah let's talk about this episode i really like a lot about this episode specifically how the eleanor jason janet plot takes us out of the setting that we've been in all mm-hmm. this time and even though it's just like a barren train station and then a house it feels like we've really gone somewhere because we've spent so much time in this neighborhood. It kind of helps. I think it's nice. It's nice uncharted territory. Well, and I think it takes us out of the good place in terms of the character's ability to critically think. And I think that's the first time where we kind of feel like they're on their own a little bit because yeah. there's constantly Michael and Janet and all these like amenities. And this is the first time where we see actual struggle to do things like things sure. don't work perfectly. Well, even here. for people like Michael and Janet, yeah, because Janet has no we powers. can't track what they're doing. Yeah. I think this is a good episode. How do you feel about it as ramping up to the big season finale? I think it is the perfect penultimate episode. Too. Why do you say that? I think that it, it really raises the stakes and the tension. Sure. I think that it it's still in the same formula that we've had the last few episodes in terms of like bad things going to happen. Okay, that thing's not necessarily happening, but now this bad thing's going to happen type of thing. Like it's it's ramping up towards the last episode, but it's new, it's fresh. What my complaint has kind of been has been that there's always a ticking clock scenario, but mm-hmm. the clock seems to be very long. This episode gives us well sean is the ultimate judge yeah and he has decided that if you don't come back within four hours these two people are going to bad place and that's it yeah so you have a ticking clock a ticking clock now that we can see or else our eyes now the episode does something interesting with it of course at the end of the episode Mm -hmm. that kind of is like well i don't know what do we do now like how all the other episodes have been but i think it does make it feel like raising tension to an ultimate climax next week uh because of the real ticking clock and because of the the how we learn to care about these characters Uh, if i had anything negative to say about this episode is that there's not enough tahani and chidi in it i agree that's my only thing. I think we get a little bit of Chidi, but we really don't get much to Hani at all, especially. You're right. Let's talk through it. You ready? Anything else Let's you want to say? Let's do it. 
Okay. No, I'm excited. Let's dive in. The episode starts with something we've seen a few times, but from a different angle. We're getting a little more in-depth with when Eleanor died and mm-hmm. seeing really what a state this character was in. And it really does wonders of showing how truly different, the El- while being the same Eleanor, how truly different she is now. Yeah. She's just parading through the store. It's her death day. And she's just being a monster. She's, like, bumping into other carts and then, like, yelling at the person on the other end of the cart and and, and just pulling everything she wants off the shelf, not really even looking with care and picking things out, just grabbing it. She goes to the uh, 10 items or less lane with a ton more items and grabs, like, 10 things of gum at least. As somebody who worked in a grocery store, there are few things more infuriating you can do than that. I used to turn people away. I would tell them no. And they would get pissed, and I'd be like, nope, because that shit, that's bad behavior. That is bad place behavior. The only thing I would argue is if it's a 10 items or less self-checkout, and you're a fast self-checkout person. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Self-checkout, do whatever the hell you want. Although, the machines we had, if you had more you than off. the items, would, like, trigger a thing and, like, stop you after, I think that it was supposed to be, like, 20 items or less, and if you had 40 items or more, it would, like, do a beeping thing that then I would have to come and deal with, and that I didn't like, but keep it reasonable. I agree with you. And really, you, if it says 20 items or less, you do 20 items or less. But that's the only time I, I think you can kind Self-check of Self-checkout, if you're fast, I don't give a shit, dude. Yeah, thing. yeah, uh, I agree with you. And especially if there's any type of line or any waiting scenario, it's just really mean, mm-hmm. cruel. You're not more important than the people who do just have 10 or less items that are no. trying to get in and out. Well, so, yeah, I am, <laughs> but the most of them are not. Did you notice when Eleanor's rooting for the plastic surgery baby magazine that Tahani was on the cover of the magazine? No, I didn't catch it? that. Tahani Al Jamil, Eleanor had seen her, if just briefly, in life. That's on awesome. the cover of a magazine. I, I didn't notice it till the second time, and That's I, cute. I thought it was really cute. It was cool. She's accosted by the climate fundraiser guy that we've seen a few times. We saw him in the first episode, and this time. And good for that guy. He's finally lost it a little bit when it comes to Eleanor. Just He has no choice but to say, hey, can you help me? I'm volunteering for this thing, and my job is to ask every person as they leave, hey. And you were, like, consistently cruel to me about it every time. And Mm. Eleanor, like, there's some truth to her saying, well, get over it. Like, you don't exist to me after this interaction, so I should (laughs) do the same for you. There's a little bit of truth to that. But also I'm glad that this dude was finally, like – do you have to be so just cruel all the time? Mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything. You can just say no, no thank you. Yeah. And I'll say I until moving to Chicago had never experienced this sort of interaction on it's a It's starting to scale. happen more. But it's like in Chicago in the summertime, it's constant. Like there's like every couple blocks there's somebody with a iPad wanting you to give money for something and poor Danny. Danny has gotten sucked into giving to all of them because when she first moved here, she couldn't say no. And so she's given like money to all these things. Uh, I am very different. Now, when I was new here, I sure was like, you know what? That's a great cause. I'll do it. But I didn't have enough money to do the minimum donation. So that was a really embarrassing experience for me. So I, cause it was sure. like, I was like, I'll give $5. And they were like, the minimum is 10. And I was like, I don't have $10. Don't I have, have $5. 10. I've got like eight seventy five, chief. And I'm trying to give five of it to you. And they were like, bye. You need this more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. I used to be in in all manners of giving money, whether it was like a person with a sign on the street mm-hmm. or someone with a cause. Uh, I used to be a lot more open hearted about stuff like that. Yeah. And I've definitely allowed myself to harden. Not to the point to I hope I'm not rude, but I think I am closer to being rude because my instinct is if someone says ah, I'm like, sorry, I can't. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm like, I'm not giving money to anyone. And I'm also like, I'm usually somewhere doing something with the next thing to do. And Mm -hmm. I'm not about to spend 10 minutes talking to you about something that I'm just not going to give you money for. Yeah. See, I luckily don't ever carry cash on me, so that's always I my don't really sorry. Either. Don't have cash, and that's more what I say. If so, I, it's, I'm not gonna say sorry, Ken. I'll say sorry. I only have my card, and I'm spending my money You'll on say. gas or whatever. I say. <laughs> for our yeah. for our video yeah. watchers, that was a treat for you guys. A real treat, a real real true treat. You <laughs> should watch the video. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she finally gets called out by this guy and she gets really mad at him and yells at him and she drops her margarita mix, triggering the events that we know. And a couple of things that I would like to mention, some of them I'd like to mention in spoiler talk. From mm-hmm. what we learned before about Eleanor's death, it involves being hit by a semi. That was in ambulance, right? Because her regardless, was... Regardless, she's hit by a car. It, yeah. it, has it always been that she's hit by... By a truck and, and the ambulance then she's comes. scared. Or is it that she's hit by a truck? Sorry. Is it that she's hit by carts and that wipes her out, but then she gets hit by a car? I think she was going to get hit by the carts, but instead got hit by the truck because the carts like stopped or something. I don't know. We got we to check the tape on that one. The other thing I want to mention and not really comment on until later is that yeah. real Eleanor is not there. She was supposed to, to yeah, stop. Didn't she stop the carts? She was trying to stop the carts and also got hit by the truck or something. One of, okay, maybe fuzzy. Eleanor got killed by the carts and real Eleanor got killed by the truck. Because then my thought there is I don't think that would kill her. The carts? No. If you're down on the ground to the face, that could get you. Like if you're picking up margarita. It'll mix. get you, but I don't think she's dead. I think she's just in the hospital. Maybe with a really bad concussion, but uh, I don't think that's gonna gonna take you out like that. Well, it's it's kind of the flip of the Home Alone thing with the paint cans. They tested that; that'll fucking kill you. Okay, that's fair. I guess it. And I don't. I, well, maybe it's more that I don't think the carts had enough time to build up the amount of speed and force that would. Be well, the I was on. running behind the carts, pushing them really fast. <laughs> but when she gets hit by the carts, uh, we don't see real Eleanor save her or what happens after that. That's why mm-hmm. we're arguing about it because she gets snapped out of it and now she's in our present in the in the time knife. She's, mm-hmm. she's on the train and she's re-explaining to Jason where they're going, which works in a couple ways because Eleanor's reminding the audience, it's been a week. This is what happened. We didn't have yeah. it previously on. This is why we're on the train and where we're going. And also Jason's dumb, so he needs to have it explained <laughs> to him every couple minutes. He's just worried about stopping by a 7-Eleven on the way because janet doesn't have her powers and he wants some scratchers and some other stuff yeah janet confirms here that nobody outside of them has a way of knowing where they're going or that they're going to mini st Clair's. they just know that they stole the train and what train it is and uh we kind of the c plot if anything in this episode is jason and janet's sexual escapades Mm -hmm. and that begins here where we learn the list of things that jason has been teaching to janet that are sexy uh let's do a little reevaluation because eleanor's reaction is huh well some of those were right which i agree some of those are a sexy list i think some of the things on the list are sexy some of one of them to me is very much not let's see lamborghini Um, 
Are you a Lamborghini sexy car guy? Lamborghini can be guy? sexy. It's a sexy, sexy car. Okay. Cool snakes. I don't think sexy. Cool. I don't think sexy. Maybe yeah. a woman with a cool snake draped around her or a man with a cool snake that draped around him. That could be sexy. Him. Or a, a non-binary human human with a snake with snake a snake cool snake like that can be sexy but the snake the cool snake on the its snake own itself is not what's sexy. to me now mm. if you anthropomorphize it put it in zootopia give it some ass and titties i might be attracted you know to i that like cool my snake. bee stars spinning rims i don't think they're sexy i think they're i thought they were cool when i was a kid maybe they can be cool but more often than not they're annoying yeah and not sexy off. No, not cool. 20,000 followers on Instagram. That's not uh, sexy. Not sexy, but it would be pretty sexy if that happened for us as a yeah. podcast. That'd be very sexy. Mm-hmm. Girls with pigtails eating lollipops. Doesn't do it for me. Not my not my genre of, of kink. Well, we're very much in the reevaluating and rejecting the childlike things in adults that we have been pre- uh, conditioned to find attractive. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I think... Well, you know, uh, Britney Spears and the Hit Me Baby one more time, or Oops, I Did It, whichever video yeah. it is. But then I think, oh, yeah, but she was 16 or something. Mm-hmm. And she shouldn't have been sexied up like that. Yeah. And why Why is it that she's dressed up like a high school girl? And so why is that what makes it sexy? Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I, I buy that that would be on Jason's list. Even totally. if it makes me question him maybe more than anything else we've learned about him. Right. Uh, next, we've got latex pants. Sure. Give it a thumbs up. It's all about who's on the uh, who's on the inside of the pant. Yeah, but bad Janet. Those aren't quite latex, but Carl's Jr. ads I don't think are sexy. I think it's a diminishing return on the sexiness on those. Um, on those. When I was a young boy, it was the hottest thing you'd ever seen. Oh yeah, I don't. <laughs> and the, you also thought, and I need a bacon spicy now. <laughs> with the jalapenos. Yeah, that was formative for me, Zach. And sex. How are we and feeling sex. about sex? Does sex, sex can be go sexy. on the sexy list? Yeah. I hope so. I hope for I hope so for Not when for we sure. do it together. Yeah. It is far from it. Primal. Angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so let's move on from that. Those are the things that Jason thinks is sexy. And the little runner about Janet and Jason and sex this episode is pretty funny. It's cute. It never stops being funny to me. No, I don't think so. In Michael's office, Sean is here, the all-seeing judge played by Mark Evan Jackson, who was really great in this episode. Uh, he has the gang gathered to argue on Eleanor's behalf, but of course, the elephant in the room is that Eleanor's not there because she stole a train, so she can't really speak <laughs> on her own behalf. They all have to do some extra heavy lifting now to to make her sound like a good person. Um, they've got bad Janet there as a liaison from the bad place to speak on their behalf. Uh, and she pretty plainly says what to, I think, a non-partial judge would agree with mm-hmm. that Eleanor's a bad person. The stuff that she's done in the time here isn't enough to make up for all of all of this stuff that yeah. got her to the bad place in the first place. And she stole your train. And she stole the train. Michael explains why Eleanor took the train and why you could see it as heroic and chivalrous because she was doing it to to sacrifice herself and to take herself to the bad place. But this has the interesting character detail introduced of Sean's where when people are too emotional, he forms a chrysalis around him and just becomes a cocoon and everyone has to calm down a little bit so he can come back out. What do you think about that? I think it's really funny. It's such a delightfully strange good place twist. It's yeah. it's one of the most good place things because it's easy to forget that characters like Sean and Michael aren't human sometimes. Yeah. And that just shows you, no, these are these weird alien foreign body <laughs> beings. That have weird shit that they do. 
And the cut to the little theme song credit this episode is as soon as he comes out of the cocoon, Tahani says like, oh, come on. And it just makes him go right back into the cocoon. Also really funny. I too cocoon when someone makes me nervous. Yeah. I'm cocooning right now. Eleanor, Janet, and Jason get off the train in this barren station, I suppose, just mm-hmm. barren, empty neighborhood, and they don't know where they are. They don't really exactly know what it is they're looking – like, they know what they're looking for, but they don't know what they're looking out for to get yeah. there. Yeah, um, because Janet's never been here. She just knows that that's where the train goes. And Janet's like, oh, we have to walk. This is going to be fun. I've never walked before. They take a few steps. I'm bored. Walking is dumb. <laughs> walking is dumb. It's bad. But after not too long, they find Mindy's house, which is like a suburban house just on a plot all by itself. It's very Bluth model home, Arrested Development. Oh, yeah. And she's naked, gardening. Of course, (laughs) because she's been completely by herself for a very long time. Of course, after a while, you just stop wearing clothes, right? Now, and I I think yes to a degree. I like like the swaddled. Sure. It starts Mm. with keeping up appearances, being clothed. Then it gets to like... Well, I don't really want to do my laundry. Yeah. Then it gets to like, well, who am I doing this for? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be naked. Like over the course of 30 years. But would I you still you be naked, naked outside in the sun? Maybe you can't get sunburned in the medium place. Don't have an answer for that one. That's a fair point. Mm-hmm. It's a fair point. Because I feel like you'd be I was completely naked zacky. while waiting in line at the They Might Be well, Giant I, show yesterday. In this scenario, if there's nudity, I'm only picturing it as you, not myself. As we tend to do things, we do the sure. clothed male, naked You're male. You're seeing me you know? with sunflowers, like, uh, sort yeah, of covering your... the things that can't be shown on NBC. Exactly. So, I, I don't know. I think I, I would just want my little Zacky Poo to be safe if he's going to be naked. Everyone screams. <laughs> and uh, that made me want to scream, too. Eleanor screams. Uh, Jason <laughs> screams. Mindy St. Clair screams. But Janet's just <laughs> big smile, just standing Hi. there. Yeah. <laughs> And then she just smiles and waves. That's a funny way to cut that scene. Because <laughs> it is that would be really awkward. You've never seen anyone in 30 years and you're not expecting anyone. And you're yeah. in a very uh, intimate. You're very exposed. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It would be scary. It cuts to inside Mindy's house. And we see the video that we've seen throughout The Good Place of these little info videos that they've made to explain to people their situation uh this is the first one that feels a little too heavy like it's just here to be exposition in a way that's different than having mindy just explain it because later on mindy has to explain some other stuff but it was still funny and it's cool to see trevor again Uh, Mm -hmm. the video explains their situation that that mindy was mostly bad and really lived a bad life enough to go to the bad place, but then at the end of her life did one really, really good thing, causing the argument that led to the creation of her medium place, where she yeah. lives forever in a not bad, but certainly not good place. And I buy all of that. I think that that is like, it's not so far of a reach that that could occur and that they couldn't agree upon it, especially with what we learn about the people that make those decisions for the yeah. good and bad place. I think that it's very realistic that they could not come to a agreement and to be frank i think it's a fate that makes sense for probably most humans that they haven't done enough bad at the end of the day to to justify why they'd be tortured for all eternity Mm -hmm. but some do and likewise they didn't do enough good things to offset all the negative that they did to make them be rewarded in luxury for all eternity but some do i feel like the majority of people deserve a bad place after life 
No, well, no, no. I mean, I believe most people deserve... That was another Freudian slip. Mm-hmm. Another little bit of my red coming through. I just want everyone to live in the bad place. Yeah. Um, medium place, I think, is what most people would deserve. Do you agree well, with and, that? Well, and Mindy had to do something pretty major to get that overturned because she was bad place bound. And the thing she did was very, very major. I don't think the average individual will ever do one singular thing that great. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. So the bad place it is. Bad place for all. <laughs> Mindy apologizes for her nakedness and greets her guests. They're the first time that she's had anyone over in 30 years. I always think it's weird when this show uses increments like years to pass time in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. It's a little strange to me. But it makes sense for our little human brains, you know. Yeah. 30 years. Make, and it makes sense makes for sense. the humans themselves to use those increments of time. And I feel like even in the afterlife, humans are so on the day schedule that they yeah. would still continue that in some way. Totally. Just out of comfort. Uh, so Mindy and Eleanor are going to have a drink to discuss all of this, the Mindy St. Clair, the medium place of it all. But Jason and Janet have other plans. They're on their honeymoon, so they're going to go off and figure out how to have sex. And the way Manny Jacinto delivers these lines is so childlike and playful mm-hmm. and really silly. You guys have fun. This is me and Janet's honeymoon, so we're going to go try and figure out how to have sex. Now, do you think that... And we can talk about this maybe more when we get more more of the drawings in front of us. But mm-hmm. do you think the issue is that neither of them actually know how to have sex? Or that mm-hmm. Janet doesn't have the pieces that Jason deems necessary for sex? Well, I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Because Jason <laughs> has to be more naive when it comes to sex than we would imagine as him being a, a, yeah. a Florida DJ. Yeah. Because I think Janet probably also doesn't have the traditional parts. Mm-hmm. Although she does have like a mouth and stuff, you would think just what's out for appearance would be mm-hmm. would be human like. I'm assuming she doesn't have the parts. Well, maybe and in Jason the good place, know Janet what to do could put even whatever parts she, she wanted. Yeah. Right. Uh, but while they go off and start that long journey of uh, figuring themselves out, which that's what happens when you're the type of normie that doesn't have sex before you get married, then mm-hmm. you get married you know what and you're, you're doing. like, I don't know what to do with any of this and I don't want to do anything with any yeah. of this. <laughs> that's why I think you go with the king of the hill approach uh, where they thought sex was just standing and looking at each other while naked. Hey, that's what we do. Hey, works for us. So Mindy and Eleanor are having their drink, their glasses of warm beer, and what we learn about Mindy here is that she is this classic grade A example of a like business corporate cocaine fueled mm-hmm. woman. She was a corporate attorney, but uh, she had a cocaine fueled, of course, epiphany <laughs> later in her life that she needed to do something good to make a mark on the world and to make up for all the bad that she had done. And she created this foundation that was for kids all over the world. But the, it's so vague because it's like for kids all over the world that improved agriculture and every a- facet of every yeah. single place in all of existence. And she came up with this idea on like a Coke bender of like, sure. I got to do this and this and this. But then she actually intended to follow through with it she took out her life savings and 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 intended to do what she set out to do but she died as we discussed before she could do anything uh i i like the joke that leads to mindy saying to eleanor would you want to do cocaine right now who would want to do cocaine right now now? like do you have any but then there's a really long silence like who would want to do coke right now silence then eleanor's like you okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the actress that's playing mindy's like forlorn like look mm-hmm. 
into remembering the when she was able to have fun and do coke yeah. all the time. <laughs> After she died, a foundation was made in her name that's continued to do really good work. And that makes the question of what does she deserve because that good work was not done by her. She just gave the money at the end yeah. of the day. Regardless of her intention with the money, uh, it was done on behalf of her rather than Here's what I'll her. say, Zach. Yeah. The, when, a, when a movie wins an Oscar. True. Who goes up to collect the best picture Oscar on the producers, average, the producers. So I, I that's think, all you got to say. It's the points. That's all you got to say. You're speaking my language. Mm-hmm. I put but it. In I terms understand that it why you. there's an argument to be made because sure. she was shitty. Well, because with a movie, I don't think necessarily it's the producers who deserve it, but I also don't think it should be the director writer who goes up and deserves it. Yeah. Especially when they've had a director and writing category already. Um, and exactly. same with the actors. I don't think the actors really should either. So who does? No. It's, it's nobody. Nobody gets it. Only the guy that made the poster. That's they who just goes hand it over to La La Land year after yeah. year. <laughs> no, guys. Moonlight won. Get up here. <laughs> Nothing is more awkward than that. <laughs> yeah. Moonlight is one best picture. Come on. Get up. G- guys, on. this is not this a is joke. This is not a joke. Angry white man waving Oscar around. Come take your Oscar from me, minorities. <laughs> come on. Come get it. It's yours. Eleanor <laughs> explains to Mindy that she was about to turn herself in. And Mindy in this episode is very adamant that you've got to just watch out for yourself. You've got yeah. to have a survival instinct. And you've got to do the right thing for you regardless of the right thing to do cosmically. Which is Now, do you think that the Mindy had that? in life or has she adopted that over 30 years of being by herself and that might be her only way to rationalize being alone because she's truly been alone well what mindy's going through is a torture in and of itself Mm -hmm. um but i think maybe she has to do something like that to convince herself through convincing eleanor that no this is better and you should do whatever it takes to to fight off the bad place but at least also secretly selfishly she's Trying to give herself people, you right? Know? That's very true. And on the other hand, like even, at least in the bad place, there are other beings to talk to. Yeah, at least. Uh, Eleanor gets a flashback here when Mindy tells her to watch out for number one, where she's at work at the uh, swindler old people medicine mm-hmm. job, and her coworkers bring her a birthday cake, which Eleanor refuses to take. And I thought Eleanor's explanation for why she couldn't take the cake and why she brought her own cake was in a backwards way kind of a cheaty move yeah it reminded me he's not obligated for every birthday he's like well if i do this then i can do this but then i'll be what are the ramifications if i eat just the thought of like i don't think i'm going to be able to help pay for the cake every time it's someone's birthday so if i take the cake that you've got for me that puts me on the list forever and i think Mm -hmm. i'd rather just not be on that list and it's okay yeah but, of course, the I way that, that she handles it is kind of rude. And bringing her own cake and all that. You could just not have cake at work. <laughs> well, she's not going to not have cake on her birthday while working, Zach. Was there, for you in this episode, at the end of the scene, a funny, weird uh, back and With forth? With the boss? The boss and, like, uh, the lady where she's where he's like, is that weird that it turned me on? Yeah, she's that's like, why I, I quoted it at the beginning of the episode. Oh, that's I just, I whenever started. you talk about weird and turned on, it just it's just par for the yeah. course with us. You know. But I thought it was funny the way that the boss says, say that again, but like I'm a worm. <laughs> yeah. 
That was gross. We're back to Sean's hearing. He's continuing to fill in the gaps of Eleanor's story. And Michael explains, which is kind of a reveal to the rest of the humans, that he now knows about Jason Mendoza. And he explains to Sean the Jason situation. Mm-hmm. Which they don't really address much. They can't, there's at a the funny end, joke with it at the end. Yeah, they address it enough because there's not an argument to be made there. Because <laughs> Jason has not gotten any better. <laughs> I like Michael's line. He says something like, this entire neighborhood is, what's the human expression? Oh, yeah, a smoking hot turd. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah. The gang has to explain why Eleanor has improved and why she should stay, and they have to do so completely emotionlessly to keep Sean at bay. Even though I think the cocoon thing is funny, I think this is like the least funny little joke of the episode. When it yeah, comes that's to each fair. Of I think like, visually it's funny to, Eleanor to see Tahani so that way. It's just kind of an obvious joke when, mm. I don't know, it's what it is. It's maybe because those characters aren't having enough dynamic stuff to do in this episode. Sure, and so like, since ah, that's, that's what they're choosing to spend their time on. It's funny. I, I I forget who says it when they're giving the passionless uh, uh, explanation when one of them's like, sorry, I'm getting choked up. That's Michael. Is it Michael? Mm-hmm. Sean agrees that taking herself to the bad place would be selfless, but that he knows that they don't know where she is, but she's not going to the bad place, that she's not in the bad place. And that kind of opens everything back up. Mm-hmm. So the next step is for Sean to watch and evaluate all of Eleanor's Earth memories, which isn't going to go well. So everyone tries to, like, dissuade Sean and be like, we could put that away for a second. But he says he's been asleep in goo for 29 years, so he doesn't yeah. need a break. The 29 years thing made me think, in this same episode, Mindy says that she's been where she is for 30 years. Yeah, so the so last time, because Sean, Sean had says to this, this was is to make case that number zero, 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 0003 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so maybe Mindy was the last case too. that type yeah. of thing. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it's also Eleanor's age, which I thought was an was a coincidence that maybe I would have picked a different number to not have those be oh, the sure. same number unless it was intentional. Sure. Maybe it's a misdirect. Maybe. Eleanor is getting comfy at Mindy's and is surprised that Mindy doesn't really want to spend time with her, that she actually, and I think this kind of makes sense to me, that it, mm-hmm. the shock of seeing people is nice at first, but then it's like, okay, I'm going to get back into my routine of doing everything by myself the way I yeah. want to. I would it's her that. masturbate time. Eleanor is still studying an ethics book in this time because Chidi gave it to her and it reminds her of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mindy's surprised by that book because the only book she has is, is cut up vampire novels that she's turned into porn. Yeah, which clever. I mean, that's clever. I've never read do what you got to do vampire novel, but you, when you do don't that. have anybody or anything. Mm-hmm. Mindy tells Eleanor kind of uh, doubling down on the watch out for yourself thing to throw out the book and forget all that. But Eleanor, when she tries to, she's met with the only other option of content she has to consume in this house, which is Cannonball Run 2. Yeah. Or I the making of. Goddamn thing about Cannonball Run or 2. Uh, I've heard the that title. Burt Reynolds? Burt Reynolds. Sounds right. Sure. Yeah. I feel like Cannonball Run 2 probably isn't. Mm, let's see. Let's. I, okay. Burt Reynolds was in all the Gator movies, so why not do Cannonball Run 2? Is that true? Yeah. He was in Gator and Gator 2, which has an airboat. Cannonball Run, Burt Reynolds, and Jackie Chan. Whoa. Cannonball Run 2. Neither of Burt them. Burt Reynolds, Dom hmm. DeLuise, Jackie Chan, Shirley MacLaine, Sammy Davis Jr., Okay. I think Cannonball Run is the equivalent of like, uh, do you remember that movie Rat Race? Sure. I think it's it's similar. Okay. Cannonball Run 2. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll have to do it for the Patreon. See how medium it really is. 
Janet and Jason come back in. They haven't figured out sex yet, but they've been doing some weird stuff. They're trying. They're going to keep trying. They're going to figure it out. This isn't the pictures yet. This is, they just come in. It's like, we're working on this, guys. It's going to happen. It's gonna we got to get it. The payoff is going to be huge. We'll check in on that later. Those crazy kids. <laughs> Those crazy kids. They'll figure it out. I really liked the, what was the one called where they were butt to butt? I'm not sure. I didn't like take bent too over. much That it. one was really funny. There was that one image. where their like their legs go around in a circle or something, and it's called yeah. the merry-go-round. I remember that. That's one. what I'm talking about. Is they were like butt about? to butt, and I think they're gonna just. I don't around. know. <laughs> just rotate. It seems seems exciting. We get a really really fast flashback where we see Eleanor uh, hijacking a quinceanera for a 24th birthday. Ooh, that's rough. The group is still sifting through her memories, and it's all bad and, and lightly influenced by Kid Rock flirtations. It's <laughs> not doing much for her case at all. No. But Chidi steps up and says that he'd like to give a more impassionate response to, to really say how he feels and how he thinks Eleanor has changed. So Sean takes a little drama means so he can bear <laughs> with it. And Chidi gives this speech that she changed. She worked and she studied and got better. And it wasn't just performative. It was real self-improvement. And that's worth something. And that's not worth being punished that you actually can make that change. Yeah. Uh, and that gets Tahani to also stand up and speak on Eleanor's behalf as well, which is nice to see how much, especially Tani, I always want to say Tani, how much <laughs> Tahani has grown in her treatment of Eleanor and how she sees Eleanor and really now sees her as someone who should belong that has made this change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that especially Chidi's speech was really, really good. And it kind of hit my hit my heart a little bit. Cause, you know, she's sitting over there reading his book because he's helped her Absolutely. to grow and he... I think more than anyone else has actually seen the growth in Eleanor. Tahani totally. has kind of only seen the last third of her mm -hmm. growth, but Chidi was there when she was like her first day mm -hmm. and seen her learn to feel remorse and yeah. learn so much and to really care. And I think that they have such a special friendship that Chidi truly was like, I have to, I'm going to go against the rule which is not in his nature. And Notice I'm gonna, how without hesitation. It's always easy for Chidi to make these no hesitation decisions when Eleanor is involved. No yeah. other time is he able no to other stand time. up and be like, I've got to do this. Yeah, and I think it's, it's really cute. cool. Sean reaches a ruling. Thank you for these testimonials. A ruling has been reached. Oh. You want to hear it. I forgot how needy humans are. <clears throat> Eleanor Shellstrop is a bad person. The progress she has made does not offset her actions on Earth. She deserves to be in the bad place. Oh. As concerning Jason Mendoza, I have heard no statements nor seen any evidence to suggest... Oh, he's from Florida? Yeah, he belongs in the bad place. <laughs> Which was so funny. He's like, oh, made my decision. And then just... <laughs> and because Sean is the type of character that he is, he says this decision really plainly and i think that works for the tension because it's no well this is happening but it's no we have decided eleanor is a bad person and deserves to be in the bad place uh i haven't heard enough about jason oh wait he's from florida yeah he goes to the Definitely bad place, bad place. <laughs> uh, and it's just that's it yeah that's the decision he's the ultimate judge now is this the point where he says she's not in the bad place and then he makes like the announcement he already Janet. said she's not in the bad place but this is about to be the announcement the walkie-talkie okay they don't know where they are they do know that they don't know where they are so yeah. so the only way to talk to them is through janet's walkie-talkie mode so they're able to bad <laughs> janet communicate 
to good Janet, our Janet. <laughs> Meanwhile, this is when we see that Jason and Janet are trying to figure out sex by making diagrams and taking them down and looking at all mm. the pictures. That's where the pictures are. And <laughs> when he, when Janet starts doing the walkie-talkie thing, Jason's like, is that an orgasm? Did we do it? Because clearly <laughs> he's never seen a woman have an orgasm before yeah. and has no idea what they would look like. Um, but it's the walkie-talkie and it's Sean. The visual of Sean getting really close to bad Janet's so mouth funny. is funny. Now that... Sexy. Really? Yeah. Yelling into Bad Janet's mouth? Definitely, undoubtedly sexier than the lollipop little girl thing. Yeah. Far and away. I'd yell into your mouth any day. Feel feel our hot breath flashing like like. waves at a a rocky beach. miles between us, but it sometimes just feels like you're breathing hot garbage (laughs) right into my fucking face. (laughs) Sean comes over the walkie-talkie and tells them they have four hours to turn themselves in. Or else Tahani and Chidi will be sent to the bad place for them, which is which, crazy. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, now it's back to their decisions having way bigger ramifications than just themselves, which yes. I guess is, is kind of the point of the episode. But it went from Eleanor is going to sacrifice herself and go to the, the good place to save everyone else. Bad then place. she's like, well, I see this out or go to the bad place to I know save everyone else. And now she's going to go to the medium place. And she's like, well, we can go here. No consequences. Do our thing. And we don't have to worry about going back. But she's, of course there are consequences. Yeah. That There's not just going to be like, oh, away. they're gone. Oh, well. And now, like Sean explains, this makes Tahani and Chidi, uh, they aided and abetted these criminals in a way. Mm-hmm. The, the argument could be made that those two helped the other two escape. Yeah. Um, so they will be punished for it. <laughs> they aided and abetted two criminals, one of them a DJ. A DJ. And Jason is taking it the way you're explaining it, that they're off the hook, that this is great. He says, I'm going to – he grabs one of the papers off of the thing, which I thought was <laughs> funny. It's like, me, come on, babe. We're going to go try to make love all night long. <laughs> but Eleanor can't ha- have this happen because she has changed. Uh, it's not performative at all. She can't live in the medium place knowing that her friends that helped her get there are going to be in the bad place mm-hmm. so she argues it with jason mindy is of course on jason's side they're not going to see their friends either way because they're going to be separated be- no matter what decision they make so they might as well be in the medium place and hang out yeah. with mindy and take the non-torture option which you know from a logical standpoint and a selfish standpoint makes sense it's going to sure. be bad for somebody either way so it might as well be less bad for me but Eleanor said enough that she demands that they leave and everyone heads to the train. Not knowing that Jason has a very Jason plan. That as they get to the train, uh, Jason takes his Molotov cocktail that he's made all of a sudden, yells Bortles, Bortles. for the first epic time. And I think he's said Bortles before, but this is the first yeah. Bortles. And he throws it, it, it hits the train, and then it just it falls and shatters. Well, and, and they do a great job because even though I've seen this episode multiple times... There's still that brief moment where you're like, oh, he's shit, Jason's going to blow up the train. But then it's like, oh, no, he's throwing a, one little glass. <laughs> it's probably because it's the afterlife and things don't yeah. work the same. No. <laughs> That's really funny. Meanwhile, time is ticking down and Michael brings Chidi and Dahani some frozen yogurt. Did your episode have this scene? Yes. Okay. I thought it was really sweet. That earned Michael lots of lots of points for me in this episode because he's like, you know, Janet's not here. I, I just want to make you guys feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, there's not really a lot to say about this scene, but that was nice. The other thing mm-hmm. I thought was nice is 
Michael's kind of trying to act as Janet, and he's kind of dressed a little bit like Janet. He's dressed exactly scene. like her. It's adorable. And I almost wouldn't have minded if the, if this was a longer than 13-episode season, if one of those time-wasty episodes <laughs> was, was Michael, trying Michael to filling Janet's... in as Janet while Janet's gone. That'd be so funny. And it, this little taste of it I thought was really funny. Mm. Uh, it's also very telling that Tahani's freaking out about going to the bad place. And she's like, oh, I can't stand it. The bad place with all of its knockoff handbags and tap and water. tap water. And she's like, that's what you think the bad place is? On the train, they're not going anywhere because Janet, since marrying Jason, has uh, has a ride-or-die protocol with him. So I she that can't was so do funny. anything unless her husband gives her permission. <laughs> And Jason isn't giving up on this. He doesn't want to go to the bad place. That's almost ratatouille scary. Yeah. Which, think about it. Would you want a rat pulling on your hair, controlling your actions? If it made me a good-ass cook, absolutely. Mm-mm. Think of all the and other things. And it's not a it domesticated rat. That's a better. fucking street rat. A Parisian street rat. Well, in so your was Aladdin, hair. and look how that turned out. Do you want Aladdin in your hair, pulling it, controlling your every action? Well... Maybe now that you mention it now that you mention it. <laughs> Jason tries to talk Eleanor into letting it go and just getting used to Mindy's place. But Eleanor is able to explain to him uh, the thing that I want to talk about in Chidi's philosophy class mm-hmm. a little bit later in this episode, that she's changed and she can't just be how she was on Earth anymore. And when Jason asks Eleanor, well, why are you like that? Why were you like that? We get a Eleanor flashback that shows us as flashbacked as we've ever seen Eleanor to where she's played by a different actress as a very mm-hmm. young t- teenager, like barely... Do we get how old she is here? 14? Um, she's probably... If she's having emancipation papers signed, she has to be between 16 and 18, I'm sure. Well, I guess younger than 18. Her parents are really awful. They forget her birthday. They forget to take care of her. The only reason she can get her parents together is if she, like, kind of tricks them into thinking they're going to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. And then when she tells them that she wants emancipated and explains to them what it is, they don't really care. They're happy just to sign it. There's not even a... It's not even like a, a villainous, oh, finally, we're getting rid of her. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Have fun. The mom's like, wow, you're really cool. We should hang out sometime. Yeah. That one hurts. <laughs> they sign it over. She's emancipated. And when the dad goes to grab a pen on his ears, like, oh, that's a joint. Do you have a pen <laughs> or a lighter? Or a lighter? <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to what I thought was kind of a cute moment. The yeah. emancipated Eleanor on her air mattress folded up like a couch or whatever that was and enjoying her birthday cake. I mean, I wasn't emancipated, but I've been in the, I'm in my shitty by myself place for the first time and I don't have anything or any money and I should be worried about a lot of stuff, but suddenly you just feel free. Yeah. And it is kind of a beautiful moment, even though in hindsight, you're like, man, I was really slumming it those days. Totally. But, But it's, I remember being asleep or like laying, I just smiling. Yeah. Just being happy. Like there's something kind of freeing, like you said, about that first time you're like really on your own yeah. and you're like, oh, wow, like, sure, I have an air mattress that deflates in the middle of the night that I have to fill up again, but it's mine. I bought that shitty air mattress and I'm in my room where I can do what I want. Like, it's it's cool. I've been thinking about this all my life and now here I am. It's a cool moment. Mm -hmm. And in the present Eleanor can't use her parents' mistakes as an excuse for how she is anymore. She has been doing that for a long time, and I think it's easy to get caught up in, 
your parents inflict trauma onto you and that lasts forever and they have fault in it. And certainly just about everyone could have possibly lived a better and more. I think everyone could in some way have had a better life if their parents had tweaked their decisions just a little bit. And on the other hand, I think a lot of people put off a time in their life where they could be doing a lot of self-growth because they've blamed the the things. Well, that let's their let's parents... wait till our cheese okay. philosophy class. That, but that's the conversation. You're blowing your here. load. Eleanor's Keep it all not in there. Eleanor's Jam not willing to do that in. anymore. And she tells Jason that, and she gets through to Jason this time. Jason giving Janet the thumbs up to start the train, and Jan, J- wait. Did I say Jason giving Jason the thumbs up to start the train? I don't or did know. I say Jason Someone, gives a lot Jason of Jason mine Jason gives person Jason the thumbs up to uh-huh. give Janet th- the thumbs up to mm-hmm. start the train. And I like when Janet says, Ride or die, and <laughs> starts up the train. Then the final scene. That's cute. Back at the hearing in Michael's office with everyone. The time runs they're out. They're in a they're in a different room. Eleanor's they're in, in Chidi's Eleanor's, apartment. Eleanor's in Chidi's house. House. So who's making the mistakes now? Fuck. They're at Eleanor and Chidi's house, and the time runs out, which is a big moment because there's mm-hmm. always, like, something stops just before the time runs out yeah. and explains away the situation. But that's not going to happen this time. The time is up. Chidi and Tahani have to go to the bad place, and they, they get fedoras to put on to prepare <laughs> for their trip to the bad place. But just after that time runs out, just after the, the fedoras are placed on the heads, Eleanor, Jason, and Janet arrive. And it's a really weird vibe. Eleanor's like, I was kind of expecting some applause maybe when we first end to save the day. But they're too late. And Sean is the ultimate judge. And his ultimate ruling was that if Eleanor and Jason don't show up within two hours, that that the others go to the bad place. And they didn't. Mm -hmm. So by that, they have to go to the bad place. But on the other hand, what does that mean for Jason and Eleanor? That they just get away with it? Yeah. Yeah, that they got away with it. Uh, who knows? We're going to find that out next week because that's where the episode ends. Well, he tells them you have 30 minutes. Is that what he says? Pick. Yeah, he tells them you got 30 minutes to pick the two that go. That was... N- and he starts the timer. Then we'll let you recap. You know what happened in mine? That didn't it happen. End? It was like, they're too late. They missed the cutoff. But we're here. Now what? Cut. Chapter 13. The really? Scene you're so talking in mine, about. They, they get there. They have that whole thing and sean's like well on one hand this and the other hand this he's like all right here's what i'm gonna do you guys no, that's the beginning pick. of episode 13 for me yeah and on uh on netflix they played that at the, they probably i'm sure they'll recap it at the beginning of 13 for me right. on netflix but they they played that scene at the end of the episode and so the timer literally you. starts tell, tell me what happened tell me what happened on. i just did zach <laughs> i know so he what are okay whatever we'll talk about that also next week but that's a good way to cut it off too yeah well i think that builds a lot of anticipation because you literally see oh shit and i think it's it's clever because like we have 30 minutes which is the length of an episode so you're like uh the real world length of the episode watching on tv on the other hand i think my ending works really well too because it really breaks the rules on like the time's out so what's next don't know Mm -hmm. tune in next week whereas if the episode starts with the 30 minute thing that's a good way to start a 30 minute episode it is yeah but that's just the messy business of airing sitcom episodes together and editing them as like two separate episodes but Mm -hmm. editing them together is one thing to air on television and then the show being on a bunch of different things and each of them having maybe a slightly different way of breaking the two episodes apart Mm -hmm. Um, interesting 
But that's where the episode ends. And regardless of how the episode ends for you out there listening, I think this sets up what's going to happen in the next episode very, very well, while also moving everything forward in a way that you do not expect what's going to happen next week. Yeah. So for the last time, really, let's have a little spoiler talk. Okay. And the there was literally something I mentioned wanting to mention, and I've kind of forgotten it. So do you? Have uh, something? You were you talking about it was either the twenty nine years or the real Eleanor not being there when fake Eleanor died. Exactly. Of course, real Eleanor is not there because she never was. And yeah. maybe what the the story we've been told about Eleanor's death maybe has some fishiness to it to begin with. Um, I don't remember if that ever gets cleared up or if maybe that is just a weird thing where the way they described it before and the way we see it is a little different. Yeah. Um, But definitely, I think real Eleanor not being there is one of your biggest tells here of something else is going on. Yeah. I think that um, it's a little hint there that you wouldn't maybe catch if you don't know. Sure. But but a good eye might notice that because I remember watching it and thinking, I was like, huh, real Eleanor isn't there. Interesting. That was the thing that came up to me. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, speaking freely, of mm-hmm. we're getting not only close to the season finale, but getting very, very close to the reveal that they're in the bad place and very close to Eleanor being the one to realize, wait, you guys are all fucking with us. This is the bad place. Yeah, I think How that's think one they're of doing? the best twists in television history, I would say, because you don't see it coming. I mean, and, and if people say they did, fuck you. No, you didn't. Because... I don't know. I feel like Zach and I are both very, very much like, what's the twist? What's the thing going to be? I had no idea. Even at this point in the series, I had no idea. And a worse show would do this twist and have Eleanor make the realization at the end of next week's episode Mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't make sense that that character actually put it together. Yeah. That it was just like a moving the story forward thing. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Oh, this and this and this. But... Eleanor this whole time has gotten all of the seeds planted that she needs to figure this out. Yeah. In a way that the the people who have been orchestrating all this definitely weren't expecting her to figure no. that part out. Um, and I think the show is doing a really good job of setting it up ever so slightly while mm-hmm. like a um, good magician trick being like, but look at all this over here. But look at all this over here instead. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so good. I love the tension. I mean, this this whole next episode that we're going to watch, because I, I, I do believe this episode sets it up perfectly. And, the, and a good setup is just as important as the delivery itself. But they I mean, they nail it with this next week's the reveal and the tension that builds up before it. It's just so smart. And it's it's really, really I'm so excited to t- talk about this. I'm very excited. The next two weeks on the podcast are going to be a lot of fun. Next week, we're going to talk about Michael's Gambit. And then the week after, we're going to do a little bit of in memoriam of season one and and talk Mm -hmm. about the the season as a whole before we dive into the truly uncharted territories of season two. Yeah. Which still might be the best season of the show. Season two is tough. Maybe the last one for me, but maybe I've liked season one more this time. Yeah. I want to go ahead and do our good place, bad place. Let's before we get into all that, let's let's put this episode Mindy St. Clair to bed. Who Let's do it. Is the bad place for you for so, this episode? Steven I've got Baker. a double good, double bad this week. Okay. Um, my bad place. I have two people, and those two people are Mindy St. Clair and Jason. I think that Mindy, um, yeah, is not a great person. She did one really great thing, but as a whole, she's kind of bad behavior central, and she encourages Eleanor to be selfish, and I don't think that's very good behavior. And Jason is the whole reason they missed the timer. He's yep. thinking very selfishly and 
I mean, sure, he's warranted. He wants to stay with his wife and live their life together. I get that. Yes. But he also is dooming two people that, that you know, maybe do didn't not deserve, deserve it. it in any yeah. way. I agree with you. I'm just going to go with one, but it is one of those because mm-hmm. I do think one of them edges out the other a little bit. And it's yeah. Jason. Just yeah. absolutely selfish because he has even in his simple understanding of the world that he's in. He has had just as many interactions to care for Tahani and Chidi as Eleanor has Mm -hmm. and should also know better than being willing to let them be suffering and tortured for all of eternity while he gets to hang out with this girl. That's not cool. Not cool. It is Jason for me. What about good place for you, Steven? Uh, My double good place this week. I have two that maybe aren't super highlighted because they're not the A plot of the episode, but Michael and Chidi both, I think... Cheaty because he gives such an impassioned and confident speech to try and save Eleanor. And Michael, because Michael this whole time could very easily be like, oh, Sean is like a bigger deal than me. He's like the all-powerful judge. I'm yeah. going to do whatever he wants. But he's fighting yeah. for to keep everyone in the good place. He wants Eleanor and Jason to yeah. stay because they they deserve to be there. He's fighting. He's like, you know, this isn't fair. Like I, But think about all the good, the growth that's happened. Should they really be tortured because of this forever? And I think that Michael fighting for that shows a lot of good behavior. And he brought them frozen yogurt. Dressed as Janet. Dressed as Janet. For comfort. That's true. Okay. I think that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Eleanor for the good place. Ooh, uh, yeah. And for a really specific reason, I've got a case for this one because I think this is actually the deciding moment for Eleanor's character in season one, even more so than when she stood up and said that she was the mistake. Because mm-hmm. for the first time, there's nobody telling Eleanor that you're doing the wrong thing and this is what you should do. Sure, she made a bad decision by stealing the train in the end of last week, but almost immediately she realizes that was the wrong thing to do and not because anybody told me it was the wrong thing to do. And she's actually surrounded by people who are encouraging her to do the wrong thing and giving her reasons why the wrong thing is the right thing to do in this situation but she's got a moral compass now and Mm -hmm. that really shines in this episode and i think gets her even closer than anything else has to deserving a spot in the good place so i'm gonna give it to eleanor this week yeah i i respect that i think eleanor has a great week and that's our good place bad place let's step tippy toe into chidi's philosophy Welcome to Cheesy's Philosophy Class. We've been on a bit of a semester break recently here. And today I want to discuss uh, an issue that this episode brings up that at the stage of our lives that Stephen and I are in is something I think that affects us. uh, And Mm -hmm. that's parental and familial trauma, how it informs you and how you grow from and apart from it. I Mm -hmm. am certainly in a period of my life, and I have been for the last couple years, where I may be blooming in this way a couple years late in some regards, but I'm truly coming to understand all of the backwards things that I have kind of embedded in me because of not just my parents, but because of like the environment, the religion, mm-hmm. the city, uh, the state, the in the years that I was brought up in. And all the time I'm I'm finding myself doing something or saying something or thinking something and then immediately being like, why do I feel – why do I do that or say that or think that? And sure, I think a decent amount of that could be pointed at, to my parents in a way mm-hmm. of like, well, why did you do this when you could have done this? And and why won't – as you get older, you you can start to – 
tell your parents those issues. Yeah. And I think often they're met with, well, I did the best I could and you never wanted for anything. Well, yes. And you also made some really poor choices that informed my life. On the other hand, there are people, like I started to say earlier, that we know who let that inform them mm-hmm. and kind of uh, allow themselves to do whatever they want because it's embedded in them because of their parents. What do you think about that? Do you do you think we should be going to our parents and saying, you did this to me at all? Or do you think we should just let all that shit go? I'm very grateful. So a little bit about my mom. My mom is very, 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 very smart and Mm -hmm. has a psychology degree Mm -hmm. from a very smart person college. And so growing up, that's tough. I'll say it. It's Harvard. Yeah. Your mom went to Harvard. That's pretty cool. My mom went to Harvard. But it's tough because when you have a, a mom with a psych degree from Harvard, you're constantly, you know, there's a lot of awareness, but not always the using it in the best way. Right. So for me, I became aware at luckily a younger age than most about the kind of parental traumas and how that had shaped my view and, and things that affected me. And I've been very grateful that I've been able to have really honest conversations with my mom over the last several years about that and and remembering things and, and talking about how it affected me. Because, you know, if your parents going through their own trauma from their parents who has trauma from their parents and things mm-hmm. that I'm very grateful my mom has been able to address and look at some of the things from her upbringing that then were repeated with her. And I think that my mom and I are at a really good place now where we can be very honest with each other about mistakes and good things, bad things. And my mom's, you know, been very honest and forthcoming with me and apologizing for certain things That's or great. realizing with my brother and sister and doing things differently with them than she did with me. That's been for the better, I think. Um, But on that same note, as somebody who's gone through different iterations of therapy and who knows people who are on different parts of their therapy journey, I would compare it to when, you know, when somebody like finds religion and they find it really aggressively Mm -hmm. and they want to share it with everyone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when somebody's going through therapy and finally realizes, Oh, not everything is, is entirely my fault because of my parents did this. Then they start to live by, well, I only act this way because of X, as opposed to saying, well, here's how I can combat that. that. And exactly. And I think that that is a, a valid part of people's mental health journey is acknowledging that things aren't your fault. But once you're aware and have that knowledge and information, it is your responsibility to start making conscious changes about it. And also learning that it's not exactly your responsibility to coerce people into having those same realizations. And sometimes that can include your parents. Yeah. And sure, you should absolutely say the things that you have to say to them, even if they don't understand it. Or can... I think in some ways, if you say so... – as you get older, if you say things to your parents and they have a wall up for that kind of thing, mm-hmm. that just means – in your way of doing it the right way, I guess, you that almost means you should be like, no, I'm going to keep saying that and I'm going to get it Absolutely. through so you can see what I'm trying to see. While also understanding that just because you've had that epiphany, that therapy or whatever brought you to that epiphany does not mean that other people are there yet. Well, and, and some I think people might never be. We, we both are at maybe slightly different stages of it, but we're at the point where we view ourselves as adults when communicating Uh with our parents. And that's a big step, especially growing up in a very conservative religious place where we are. Yeah. From you were taught to be very respectful, honor thy father, like never talk back. That sort of thing just doesn't exist 
really in in the type of homes we grew up in. So it was hard for us to hit that point where we're, you know, going to be honest and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. This is how I feel. This is where maybe you, not intentionally, but this is where there was a shortcoming that, and I, and I felt this way about it. And I think that yeah. that's a very healthy thing to do. But you also have to make sure that you are ready to face whatever the response is from the parent. Because I know people whose parents have totally cut them off after they brought that up. I mean, like entirely no contact afterwards. And that's really sad. Yeah. But maybe that's for the better right now. Yeah. You know, so I agree with you. It's a really heavy topic. And there's so many things to say and so many things that we won't be able to say. So I just want to end that with. Everyone be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and be aware of your shortcomings. When someone comes to you with a shortcoming of yourself, try to be receptive of it if it's coming from a bad place and always be willing to learn uh, your just human errors that have been built into yeah. your circuit board and be willing to change them and to talk about them. And and yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's BetterHelp, sponsor us. We'll talk about therapy more. Yeah, this episode is not brought to you by BetterHelp. Um, but we would love that. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. This has been a good episode. A lot to talk about with this one. And next week, there's going to be even more as we talk about the season finale, Michael's Gambit. I hope you join us. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash can't disappoint podcast has all of your weekly extra Zach and Steven content has this a week, er, this show into the time knife a week early every week. And also you can be a part of this show by emailing us your trivia and your good place, bad place placements for future episodes over at timeknifepod at gmail.com. Steven, where else can the people find us on the cheap? Well, if you don't want to shell out your cocaine money, or if you spent all your money starting a charity to help every nation with every one of its problems, you can go follow us for free over on Instagram or Twitter over at TimeKnifePod. We're also on YouTube. Search the name of the show and you can see all the fun video accompaniments. See what anime shirt I've got on. See what new memorabilia Zach has on or behind him. See what little anime figure I've got up every week. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. YouTube. That's where it's at. YouTube! Everyone, this has been so much fun. I'm loving diving into this show from this perspective, having these weird offshoot, vaguely philosophical conversations that Steven and I have been having because of it. It's been a lot of fun. Can't wait to see where the end of season one and the beginning of season two takes us. We hope you'll join us. Thanks for all of your support. Steven, get us out of here. Get that train chugging. Yeah. Choo-choo! From inside the time knife, but also aboard the train going to some place, who knows where. I feel I'm like doing Keep a pumping it, thing. don't stop the Keep pump. Pumping. Keep, Keep pumping. pumping. Yeah. Uh, Black Lives Matter. I'm Zach. I'm Steven. And never quit pumping. Never quit pumping. Bye everybody. Yes, there were times. I'm sure you knew when I fit off. More than I could chew But through it all When there was doubt I ate it up And spit it out I faced it all And I stood tall I did it more